Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. America and happy Wednesday. What a busy 24 hour news day we've had. Yes, we broke that story about the January 6th whistleblower. That's been an important one. We teased it yesterday on the show. After we went off air last night, John Durham dropped a bombshell. When I say a bombshell, I mean a bombshell. Sometimes that word gets overused, but this is a bombshell. He revealed that the Russian businessman, Igor Danchenko, On trial for lying for the FBI, the man who was the primary source for the completely discredited Christopher Steele dossier, a man that the FBI suspected starting in 2008, was a Russian agent. Why did they think he was a Russian agent? Because he had contacts with Russian intelligence and had been trying to buy secrets from Obama administration appointees that he could then share with the Russians. That man, Igor Danchenko, about to face trial next month in Virginia, That man was on the FBI's payroll for three years, starting in March of 2017 through October 2020, with a primary focus of helping to investigate the Donald Trump collusion allegations. Just think about that for a second. A suspected Russian agent, a man known to have been lying. In fact, he lied just before he got hired by the FBI in March 2020. A man who contributed to the false story of the Steele dossier. A man who was trying to allegedly offer money for secrets to steal from our nation. That man got put on the the payroll of the United States taxpayer of the FBI after the FBI knew all of those things. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know what else to say. That's a bombshell, right? You, the American taxpayer, me, everyone I know, we were paying for this guy to be on the payroll to be a confidential human source after the fiasco of the Steele dossier, after knowing this man was a suspected Russian agent, after knowing he had been untruthful for the FBI, including in his January 2017 interview, where he admits that most of the stuff in the Steele dossier was overstated, not true, he disowns it. He lies then and said he didn't have any contact with the Russian intelligence services, and they go, oh, well, sorry, sir, we know you did. And then he 
He backs off that lie. After all those things, he gets hired with your tax dollars to work for the FBI. That is why so many people, this revelation, the latest in the long line, whether it's the Olympic revelations where young women were allowed to be sexually assaulted for another year because of FBI fumbled the ball, because of the Russia collusion investigation, the overcollection of evidence at Mar-a-Lago, we can go on and on. That is why so many Americans distrust the premier law enforcement agency in America. I've got many friends who work in that agency. I've got many friends who used to work for it and are good sources and good guests on this show. There is a credibility problem inside the FBI of ethnic proportions. It's something that needs to be cured. And in the second half of this show today, the podcast today, we're going to talk to Kevin Brock about what some or more of those solutions are. I want to get his reaction, former intelligence chief for the FBI. He wrote the rules that these confidential human sources get vetted by. Did they follow the rules? We're going to ask Kevin Brock that. But before that, we were lucky enough a little bit ago, Amanda and I did, to sit down and have a conversation with Senator Marsha Blackburn from the great state of Tennessee. She's a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. While many Republicans have been distracted into talking of things Americans don't care about right now, she has stayed focused on inflation and crime, inflation and crime. Because if you don't feel safe in your own backyard, if you can't be safe when you go out for a jog like that young woman in Memphis who was killed tragically, and you don't feel like you have enough money to even fill the grocery cart for what you need for your family, you are not happy as a voter. That is what this election is going to turn on. Well, Senator Blackburn, unlike some of her colleagues in the Senate, like Mitch McConnell, who are talking about things like candidate quality or things that are unrelated, she's focused on these two issues. And she has a brand new piece of legislation designed to put the focus back on crime fighting, to reverse these get-out-of-prison prosecutors, these prosecutors who let violent felons out right away without bail, without significant punishment. She's got some legislation. You're going to hear about that. And you're also going to hear about a shocking revelation about that horrible crime that we learned about in Memphis over the weekend. A young woman in the prime of her life goes out for a jog, doesn't come home. There is a major failure of law enforcement. You're going to hear about it. There was evidence that would have put her alleged killer behind bars long before he could have killed her. Senator Blackburn's going to tell us about that. So that is the show today. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, Senator Marsha Blackburn, followed by my good friend and the former chief of intelligence for the FBI, former assistant director, Kevin Brock. We love having him on the show. Back to back, right after these commercial messages. Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, 
thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Joe Biden's wide-open southern border creates an even more dangerous America with multiple senior Homeland Security officials confirming the average number of gotaways or illegal immigrants that weren't caught by Border Patrol was more than 55,000 per month. Every state is now a border state, and the only way to protect our communities is through funding and supporting law enforcement. And our first guest is a sitting U.S. senator from the great volunteer state of Tennessee and is offering real solutions to these very serious problems. Senator Marsha Blackburn, Senator, crime is skyrocketing everywhere, and it seems to me that you are the first one to bring real solutions to the issue. What what are you proposing be done now, and why should this issue be more important to your colleagues than, uh, than they seem to be? This is an issue, Amanda, where the American people are trying to break through to Washington, D.C., and say, listen to us, because the issues, as you summed it up beautifully, inflation, crime, drugs, the open border— that's what the American people are talking about. And so we have just been so heartbroken with what has happened in Memphis. And Senator Haggerty and I, and we, we're working together, we're working with the mayor, we're working with law enforcement, and we've said there need to be near-term solutions and longer-term solutions that are brought to bear. So the Restoring Law and Order Act is a piece of legislation that we are bringing forward. It would be a DOJ grant program. You've got to hire more officers. There are COVID funds that are left over that can re be reprogrammed. Our communities have more money than ever. Let's use that to make these communities safe again. What we have also found out after we looked at the situation in Memphis and the murder, the senseless murder of Eliza Fletcher, a young mother who was murdered while she was out jogging, we found out that the rape kit that had been submitted almost one year earlier and that this individual had been identified by name by the rape victim. So the kit is sent to the TBI. The TBI did not return it to Memphis until nearly a year later, and it was returned on the day that Eliza Fletcher was, her, that her body was found. And Amanda, the alleged as the alleged assailant of that rape a year ago is the alleged individual that killed 
Eliza Fletcher. Mm -hmm. He should have been behind bars. She should be alive today. Mm. It's so painful to hear that information and realize that that was preventable. It's it's so, so tragic. I want to ask you about a line in your uh, in your advertisement, in your video, because it has never been controversial until recently. The idea that if you do the crime, you do the time. But today it's do the crime and hope you're out in time for dinner. How did we get to as a group of prosecutors who feel comfortable that the best way to protect the community is to put the criminals right back on the street? You know, this is one of the things after all of this, defund the police, disrespect the police. And they're they've made heroes out of criminals. And then they've tried to criminalize activity by law enforcement officers. And this is one of the things that is so unsettling to people across this country who want to make certain that violent criminals are locked up and that those who are um, doing law enforcement jobs in their communities have the resources They need to do their jobs. And of course, if there is something that a law enforcement officer does that is over the line, you deal with that. But as I talk to people all across this country on the crime issue, John, repeatedly they say violent criminals need to serve their sentences. And truth in sentencing is something that we have to return to so that these violent criminals are going to be locked up. That is why in our Restoring Law and Order Act, we're looking at that funding, more officers. We are looking at a GAO study on these rape kits. We are making certain that there are provisions for dealing with these drug crimes, primarily the drug deaths or fentanyl. In the short term, Senator Haggerty and I have sent a letter to the White House, to President Biden, asking him to use the full power of the DOJ to prosecute these crimes of criminals that have firearms, that they re-implement the Operation Legend program that President Trump's DOJ had put in place. And that was, Memphis was one of the pilot cities in that. That program was very successful because it put your federal law enforcement working directly with your local law enforcement, extra manpower, extra expertise, so that you could apprehend and convict these criminals and lock them up for what they have done. Senator, I want to ask you a question that uh, typically if I ask this question to a Republican senator or even a Democrat senator about support from the other side of the aisle, I would typically know what the answer would be. But with respect to the crime that is surging, the fact that it's in the faces of citizens in, you know, in Silicon Valley, this beheading, what happened in Memphis, the crime surging in blue cities all across America that we can no longer deny with in light of that, do you expect to get more Democrat support on something like this than than your other Republican bill? I think you will see. Yes, I do think that you're going to see more support for this. As I said, the American people are trying to break through with their message to Washington, D.C., that crime is out of control. Communities are not safe. People are worried that they are living in Joe Biden's America where they can't go out for an early morning run, where they worry about their kids going to college and then getting a pill that is fentanyl laced and they die. 
These are real problems, real concerns, and I've never seen an issue with moms like this where they're saying crime is out of control and the federal government, the Department of Justice, FBI, our intel agencies, our law enforcement agencies need to make dealing with crime in the streets a top priority. Uh, you're hearing it loud and clear. There's no doubt. We got about a minute left, Senator. I want to ask about this quickly. You got oversight of the FBI. There was another amazing revelation from John Durham yesterday, a suspected Russian spy who's known to be lying. They put him on the payroll. Is it time for the uh, FBI to face something like a new church commission, a bipartisan look at just finding out what's going on inside this agency? We've got about a minute left. John, we have to find out what is going on in the FBI. I know a lot of people that work with the FBI are who are good, hardworking people. And there is a political cabal inside the FBI that has to be dealt with. It's inside the Department of Justice also. And the Denshenko revelation that he was on the FBI payroll for three years, the American taxpayer was paying him. And they knew the information he had was false. He's admitted that. But they're paying him for cooking up information, for investigating Donald Trump, for what all. I am looking forward to January when we can continue our hearings on this. But I'm also looking forward to being certain that John Durham continues his investigation. The harder he works, the more we learn about the Russia collusion hoax. I think I think the great citizens of Tennessee know it's saying this true with you. You're always getting them the facts and the solutions that they need. Senator, what a great honor to have you on today. Good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News to become a four-year member for just 
$30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free social security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash Just News. That's AMAC.us forward slash Just News. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Last night, the traffic lit up on Just the News right around dinner time when the filing from Special Prosecutor John Durham came out, and it had a bombshell. When I say a bombshell, I did a lot of reporting on Russia collusion. I had no inkling that the man on trial next month for lying to the FBI, the man identified as Christopher Steele's primary source of the now discredited Steele dossier, that he was on the FBI's payroll as a confidential human source. From March of 2017 to October of 2020, that's right, Igor Danchenko, the man the FBI now accuses of lying to them, he was being paid by them in the Russia collusion Donald Trump investigation. Our next guest is going to try to help us make some sense of it. He's one of the most trusted voices in the entire law enforcement community, and a great friend of this show, Kevin Brock, former assistant director of intelligence for the FBI. Kevin, great to have you back on the show. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. And you're, you're exactly right. This is a tough one to make sense of. Yeah. And all the documents I've seen, to the credit, the FBI can keep a good secret when it wants to. But the idea that a man that the FBI suspected of being a Russian agent going all the way back to 2008 would be on their payroll, 17 to 20, to help pursue the Trump investigation, there feels like a disconnect. What's your first analysis of it? Yeah, on that point, and let's march through each one of these because I think we can unpack it. Um, On that point, it's not that unusual that or unexpected that the FBI would sign up as a confidential human source, some Russian intelligence officer or cooperator. They do that all the time, of course, with, with a specific end in mind to, to expose Russian intelligence operations, to expose espionage operations, that type of thing. This is a little different. Uh, so we have a situation where he was known to the FBI under fairly damning uh, indicators that he was soliciting uh, classified information from individuals he believed were going to join the Obama administration back in 2008 and said, hey, we're willing to pay money for it. I mean, clearly an act of espionage, clearly acting on behalf of a Russian intelligence. FBI opened up a, a, an investigation on him and then apparently, according to the reporting, uh, closed it, thinking he had left the country. Um, he's been here for a while. He is a Russian citizen, so he's not. I don't know whether he has permanent residence uh, uh, um, status here in the country or not. That would, and that's important because it would it would determine whether he's considered a U.S. person or not. Um, but he surfaces then later on as the primary subsource or source for Christopher Steele and his dossier, a dossier ordered and paid for by the candidate running against Donald Trump yeah, we can't in 2016. Forget that. Yeah. He, can't, he just can't ignore that part. And and now um, it's also of interest that in March of 2017, the same month that James Comey before Congress acknowledged that the Crossfire Hurricane investigation existed and that the FBI was investigating uh, the the Trump then campaign and now administration for possible collusion with the Russians. They sign up this 
source of Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele had already been a paid, uh, I don't know if he was paid, but a confidential human source of the FBI and was fired because he was uh, leaking to the press. Some months later, they now sign up his source, uh, Danchenko. So, John, what I'm going to what I'm going to characterize this is as as something that can befall uh, investigators. In this case, I think it's a little more more egregious, but I call it outcome bias, where investigators get so enamored with an investigative theory and, and belief that they stop hearing what their sources are telling, or they only hear that which they want to hear. And when Danchenko, when, when Danchenko sits down and starts telling them, which now uh, telling them lies, which he's now being charged with uh, by Durham, um, you know, they didn't apparently either have the interest, wherewithal, or ability at that time to properly vet that information see whether or not he was being truthful. Why this is important is because obviously uh, this this group of investigators at FBI headquarters used that dossier as their probable cause, largely as their probable cause for a FISA application, and uh, which was faulty, obviously, and deceived the court. So if you're going to, and John, I know this because I helped and led the effort to rewrite the FBI's confidential human source policies and procedures back in the early 2000s. And one of the things we stressed was anytime you have a source that's going to be used in particular to support an affidavit or in a particularly sensitive investigation, here are the prescribed vetting processes that you have to go through to assure yourself that you're dealing with somebody who's giving you information, reasonably assure yourself that somebody's giving you information that is truthful because so much is writing on this. I'm not, you know, from all indications, John, it looks like there was a sense of urgency to run with it and believe what they wanted to believe. And, and, and we're left with a big question. Why in the world did they feel like they had to sign up Igor Danchenko as a confidential human source of the FBI, and then pay him. Yeah, it is a head scratcher. And I want to go back to something that's curious, because one of the things I've learned about John Durham and watching him from afar is he chooses his words carefully, and he chooses which facts he wants people to see. And he's been telling a story. You were the first person to really educate us that he's a storyteller in these court documents. In 2010, they closed down the original counterintelligence investigation against Danchenko. This after determining he approached two people in the Brookings Institute who were about to go to work for Barack Obama saying, I'd like to pay you if you would leak me classified information. But he goes out of his way to say that the FBI closed it down mistakenly, incorrectly, because they thought he had left the country when he didn't. How does the FBI not know a guy's left the country or not? I mean, it, it really jumps out as a unusual fact for him to put into this court filing. The FBI would almost certainly know if someone's in the country or not, right? Yes, that's not a difficult investigative trail to follow. Uh, it's not hard to validate whether or not somebody has left the country. Um, so that is a little bit curious. We don't know whether the investigation itself ran out of steam or they conducted enough investigation to determine whether or not 
the approach was actually made or, um, you know, established in some type of fact, um, or got handed on to another agent. They got tired of it and they found an excuse to close it. We we just, and again, these are all cases out of the Washington field office, which is inundated with these types of uh, investigations. So it could have been a number of explanations as to why it was shut down. Uh, it looks glaring right now in hindsight, but um, I, I can't really pass judgment on that without knowing more facts. There's almost certainly facts we don't know, and that's really an important thing. It's one of the great lessons of the Russia collusion story, not to assume that the first line is the ultimate complete story of what we have. There's another curious thing that he goes out of his way to do. I mean, he clearly not only paints Danchenko as a serial liar in the indictment, because he's charged with five different lies in the indictment, but then he asked the court and several that he's not charged. That's right. That's it goes now and says, listen, we want to introduce these other evidence because they're material to the portrait of the man we're charging. But the some of the lies occur before they hire him as the informant. They do his first interview with him in January 17th. So they've had Steele. They fire Steele for leaking to the news media on November 1st. In January, they're checking out the authenticity of the Steele dossier. They've created a spreadsheet. We know now because I have a copy of the spreadsheet, 90% of it turned out to be uncorroborated, inaccurate, or internet garbage rumor. But they're interviewing him. One of the questions they ask him right away, have you ever met with Russian intelligence services officers? And he says no, and they confront him right away, like, ah, fella, we know this, you did. So he lies to him right out of the gate in this period before they hire him. What sort of vetting goes on? What sort of validation goes on when you know someone's already lying to you? Does that lend credence to maybe not hiring them like they do a couple months later? Absolutely. Um, and again, you know, the head scratching part of all of this is that the dossier at that point, even by James Comey's own admission was fallacious and unverified. That's right. And, um, they knew at that point how the dossier came into being that was paid for by the Clinton campaign, uh, through cutouts. That fact alone (laughs) should have taken that dossier off the investigative playing field as any type of uh, any type of indicator of probable cause. Um, so why then knowing that, why then why then go down this path with this guy Danchenko? Um, I could see bringing him in interviewing him extensively as a witness, but to then to turn around and and, and make him a confidential human source, which is a status inside the FBI which is its most closely held uh, sensitive information. And then to pay him for information, we don't know how much money he was paid, but over the course of three years, um, long after his utility, he, he, they kept him open as a, as a CHS. All of this is very, very puzzling. And I'm sure, you know, we may learn more when it, when it comes up at trial, but um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit at a loss other than, speculation and and my part of this crossfire hurricane investigative team that was run out of headquarters um, to to search for ways to validate their particular view and and a a desirable outcome we know there was bias there we know that in hindsight because of their own self-admissions so it's to me, that's that's one of the only plausible explanations I can think of. Yeah, it is unusual. And to his credit, we know very early on from my reporting and also from the report, 
and from his testimony that Robert Mueller, when he takes over in May, he doesn't put much credence into the dossier. He kind of casts it aside right away, something that the Bureau probably could have done but didn't. But these are no-nonsense guys, and he's clear in his testimony, he's clear in his report. They never really considered the dossier to be a credible thing that they were going to waste a lot of time on. But here's the question. Robert Mueller wraps up his investigation. He does that in March. The findings come out in early April of 2019. Danchenko stays on the FBI payroll for at least another 18 months to October 2020. After they've ruled out collusion, maybe there's another operation going on with him. We don't know. But if he was still looking at Trump after Trump collusion had been ruled out by someone pretty credible, (laughs) Robert Mueller's pretty credible. I couldn't figure out any plausible reason why he would be on there. What was your impression seeing him extend way after the collusion investigation has been shut down? Well, the reason could extend anywhere from from a valid uh, concern, investigative uh, bias concern to negligent administration. I mean, is that it's a, that broad of a range wow. here where you could have had him sitting on the books as a source and the the case agents and supervisors weren't paying enough attention, didn't think through the ramifications, and just left them open administratively uh, without sufficient reason to do so. That's supposed to be addressed every 90 days in a right. file review, but you know, who knows what happened there? Or, you know, some have speculated that he was kept open as a as a uh, confidential human source to preclude uh, the special counsel from from identifying uh, that aspect of the investigation. Robert Mueller, the former FBI director, is going to be highly sensitive to inappropriate um, disclosure of source identities. Absolutely. And and those are some of the most sacrosanct rules inside the FBI, so he could have felt like his hands were tied in that regard. I don't know. There's a range of plausible explanations here. Yeah, Another one would be that the Congressional Oversight Committee, which had been continuously scratching at this, he'd be off limits for them, right? And they wouldn't be able to question him about the disconnect between what Steele said in the dossier. I talked to Devin Nunes last night and others, and the FBI wanted to tell him about this source, but then say, you can't talk about it. So we don't want to know about it. Nope, nope, nope. Don't even tell us. (laughs) We're not going to be accused of leaking it later. So there seemed to have been some brinkmanship going on in terms of who knew what, when. But one of the things that I think is going to be the most fascinating part, you said this in an interview six months ago. People said, boy, that was the smartest assessment I have. The first trial of Sussman was put on trial, the whole fake story about a server in a bank in Russia being the source of a private communications channel with Trump. And you got a sense of the idiocy of that and who was involved in it and how implausible it was and how quickly it was dismissed. This second trial about Danchenko is ultimately the trial of the Steele dossier because this is his main guy. One thing that you see in this filing that's so fascinating to me, Kevin, is how profoundly powerfully Durham gets rid of the old P-tape allegation. This idea that there was a motel, a hotel episode where Donald Trump is compromised by Russian prostitutes. And of course, we know that was the most salacious part and unverified part of the dossier. But he went and got the hotel manager who said, I know I'm blamed for saying this. We never told anybody this. And by, oh, by the way, I didn't even meet with Dan Chaco, so he couldn't have heard it from me. It seems like that becomes blown up. The, the most famous moment of the of the Trump smear job in Russia, he just blows to smithereens in this filing. Your impression of the thoroughness of what he was able to run to ground? Yeah, very impressive. And, and the, the other thing that he introduced in that filing was the role that this 
guy Charles Dolan, I believe his name is, played a, a longtime Democratic Party operative of, and uh, associate of the, of the Clintons, as I understand it, um, had a relationship with Danchenko, kind of, Durham kind of paints a picture of him steering Danchenko a little bit or, or doing some types of manipulations. Um, Durham also had also says that uh, Dolan is prepared to testify, so we'll see how that turns out. But it just again it 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 just shows the the um, how weak and tenuous all of this was, and the in direct involvement of the opposition party in trying to create a narrative that was going to damage their political opponent, and then using the FBI. Uh, and subsequently, the special counsel to to, to further the narrative cynically, you know, d- d- directly uh, engineered by James Comey. Uh, all of this is is tr- has been and is tremendously damaging to the FBI. But to your point, yeah, I was I was impressed by the fact that Durham's just not going to take anybody's word for it. He's he's going and finding original sources. I mean, he'll go find the the guy that ran the Ritz Carlton and in, in Moscow and down with him and that's that's prudent investigation that's that's checking on checking all of the you know checking all your uh you know crossing your eyes and dotting your t's yeah and it's a reminder that it, we have a lot of doubts about government but so many people in government just do a really good job we don't give them credit because we only hear about the bad things that happen there's one other person that is an ancillary person to the Danchenko narrative, but it seems more important given how much the fbi had suspicions about Danchenko going back to 08 so he lands at Brookings. Brookings is a famous think tank for the left. There's a lot of people that come in and out of Brookings and go into government. The revolving door is popular there. One of his colleagues there is a woman named Fiona Hill, the Russia expert who later testifies in the Trump impeachment. And in her Trump impeachment testimony, she admitted she's the person that introduced Christopher Steele to Danchenko, basically connects Christopher Steele with his primary source, who turns out to be pretty discredited at the end of the time. She's in and out of the NSC. She's pretty well respected, used by the government in lots of places. The idea that someone with a lot of national security work, Fiona Hill, she works in the National Security Council, in fact, with President Trump, had a connection with a guy that the FBI thought was an agent of Russia, a spy of Russia. Wouldn't there have been some form of defensive briefing, or would it be surprising that she didn't get a defensive briefing about this guy at some point? You'd expect that. Um, and, uh, yeah, stuff like that is supposed to be fairly routine and commonplace. Um, but that, that, that's a good point, John. I, I'm, I'm not clear on that. Yeah, it's going to be, say, be I, it'll be a lot of interesting things as the trial unwinds about just the things we normally assume the FBI does. Defensive briefings, by the way, President Trump, we know, never got a defensive briefing about Russia, despite the concerns. Did Fiona Hill get one after her uh, intersections in, in advocacy for Danchenko? Three, what sort of people are we hiring into confidential human sources if they have known credibility problems? It's, it seems like those are just good governance issues that could linger or expand beyond this trial. Your feeling about the state of the FBI after all we've learned in the last few weeks about the raid, the Russia collusion, Danchenko, uh, Sussman. Uh, there are some people that I've been talking to in Congress the last few days who think it might be time for another church-like commission, like do an independent commission, find the things you can fix, praise the things that are good about the FBI, and get the confidence level back. Are we reached a a threshold where maybe that becomes a, a, a real conversation piece in politics? 
Yeah, your instincts are good. I was actually going to write on this myself. I think the parallels are, are acute at this point. I think, and, and frankly, it would be it would be great for the FBI. They find themselves obviously in a, a very challenging situation, some of which they brought on themselves, others kind of imposed upon them. But they find themselves in a place right now where over well over the half of the country uh, believes they're you know working on behalf of one political party over another, and that can't stand. I mean, the, the agency can't survive if, if that persists. So, um, you know, you and I have discussed before. I think it's improper to call for a, a disbanding of the FBI. Unwinding that that would be incredibly difficult and 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 not recommended and, and actually practical. It's just not possible. Not, not yeah. possible. It's yeah. just not possible. However. Um, the parallel that you draw to the, the church committee, which, you know, if, if just a, a quick back brief on that, that emerged after all of the discovery of FBI perceived abuses against the left back in the 60s and 70s, you know, infringing on First Amendment rights to protest and, and, and uh, assemble and, and, and voice opinions against the war. And all that type of thing, the FBI embarked on anti-American, quote unquote, investigations into these groups. And there were uh, there were there were no guidelines at that time as to what the FBI could and couldn't do. It was basically the policy of whoever the executive was in the White House. And so the church committee was formed. And because of those perceived encroachments on constitutional rights, they um, they pointed out a lot of these abuses. And from that was birthed the attorney general guidelines, which the FBI operates under today, which which in very stark terms stipulates how and when an FBI uh, agent can open up a case uh, against a subject. So, um, and those were great bumper pads that were put in place. Now the Bureau knew, okay, we can't we can't go beyond these boundaries. We're safe as long as we stay inside these boundaries, and it worked wonderfully for years. So now it's the right who is outraged by perceived oversteps by the FBI, and um, and so so I think to get things recentered, um, some type of hearings along these lines that uh, give reassurances that that the FBI uh, operate under strict. Other, you know, modifications to those guidelines would be would be really great for the country. Yeah, it would. It would help the agency. It would help everyone in the public. And it, they have to be done in a bipartisan way, right? It's going to have to be done like the 9-11 Commission or the Church Commission, because I think if just one side does it, we've seen that with the January 6th hearing, the, half the country doesn't take it serious. So something constructed like Church or like 9-11, would that be the optimum way to have an honest conversation and try to fix the situation? Well, as you know, uh, you and I have been around a while. This is probably the most bitterly divided partisan atmosphere we've witnessed uh, in, in my over 60 years in this country. And um, so it's hard to say. My hope is, yes, they could they could find some type of a bipartisan committee that would really, in the interests of the American people and and in the interest of having an FBI that everybody can trust in, which is vitally important to this democracy, um, that, that they would come together and realize, okay, there's been some painting outside the lines here. Let's let's regroup and and look at ways to make sure nothing like this ever happens again. Yeah, that seems to be the right thing, and it seems like we're moving towards that moment. It's certainly a better moment than trying to blow up the whole system at this point. Uh, there seems to be a lot of things that can be fixed uh, through 
uh, disclosure in, in honest conversation. So it's going to be really fascinating. Kevin, we love having you on the show. Our audience loves you because you, you give us a straight talk and, and your experience. I mean, you walked in this exact world, this intelligence world, and it's important to remind people the rules that the FBI should have followed and would have prevented a lot of these things are the ones that you helped you helped draft a decade, decade and a half ago. So we're really grateful for not only you doing that work, but helping us understand where the rules of the road are today. It's really been a help. Well, thank you for having me, John. I appreciate it. Yeah, we have a lot of fun every time we talk. So I appreciate that, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. A big thank you to Senator Blackburn and Kevin Brock, two people who have a lot of common sense. They're straight talkers. You don't get spin. You get direct answers from them. You get solutions. You get thoughtful responses. That is why we're so excited to be able to have this show and to have people come out and have a conversation, not a five-minute soundbite interview, but a real conversation. That was one of the blessings of today's great show, and I hope you enjoyed it. We're very grateful to everyone who participated on this and for the two great guests who brought so much Great thoughts here. All right, folks, we are always thinking about the future of our country. And one of the places where people are deeply concerned right now is the state of the news media. That's why we started Just the News. And every so often I try to introduce you to partners, sponsors, advertisers that we believe have products and services that are worth checking out. And one of them are my good friends at the Heritage Foundation they run a nonprofit news site called The Daily Signal. It's one of the sources I check every morning when I get up, when I'm first reading in and getting up to speed. It is a great source for easy to digest and honest reporting. They've got a great podcast. They've got a lot of thought leadership on policy solutions, not only debating what's wrong, but debating what can be done to fix it. And The Daily Signal is their news site. It is fantastic. I love it. You should love it. And they have an extraordinary daily newsletter. You can go to dcmorningnews.org. Let me give you that again. DC, like Washington, DC. dcmorningnews.org. Go there. You're going to be able to sign up for their daily newsletter. It's like getting a newspaper in your inbox, just like you get with the Just the News newsletter. They've got a great investigative team of honest journalists. They've got policy, thought leaders, great commentary, great analysis, great news stories. Start your day like I do with my friends at The Daily Signal at the Heritage Foundation. For more, subscribe now at dcmorningnews.org. That's pretty easy to remember, dcmorningnews.org. Go there, sign up for the newsletter, get the daily feed. I do. It is a must 
must read site because I know you can handle the truth. That's where you get it at places like dcmorningnews.org, the Daily Signal, and of course, justthenews.com. All right, folks, that wraps up another show. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. God bless this extraordinary country, the United States. Yep, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. And when you need that 24-7 news fix, you know where to go, justthenews.com. We've got you covered. Breaking headlines, investigative scoops, enterprise, all the things you need to be informed every day. All right, be back tomorrow with another edition. Until then, God bless you and have a great night. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey there, it's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, expert politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey.